Welcome to Season 2 of the Unicorn Club Audio Journal Podcast. Today is December 8th, 2020. I'm just going to get right into it. So come on in, cousins, and gather yourselves for today is a very different podcast. Um, I've decided to title this podcast Ascend. And the reason why... I am on this whole new wavelength is because my soul is looking for more depth, more meaning, and to just vibrate on a higher frequency. So let's take a look at the definition of the word ascend. To ascend According to, what is this, dictionary.com, it is a verb, and it means to go up. Another definition of it is of a spiritual being or soul to rise into. So ascension essentially just means elevation. In my mind... It means to vibrate on a higher frequency. When you vibrate on a low frequency, this is where you get hurt people hurt people. You get immaturity. You get defense mechanisms. You get the fight or flight. You get all sorts of meaningless, frivolous, hurtful things. It's actions that causes other people psychological damage. That's a very low vibrating person. But then you get a person who vibrates on a very high frequency and that's the level that I'm aspiring to be on starting today and going throughout 2021. So in January, I'm going to start season three of the Unicorn Club, and that is going to be about ascending. The things that I learn while vibrating on a, on a higher frequency. But I first have to take a look at What does that look like? What does ascending on a higher frequency, spiritual frequency, mental frequency, emotional frequency, and financial frequency, what does that look like? Yesterday, I watched a short clip on, I think it's called Goalcom, Goalcast, something of that sort. And it was Will Smith and the mother from Aunt Viv from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And if you don't know, now you know that they've done a reunion. And Will Smith and Aunt Viv had a sit-down conversation. And in this short clip that I saw on Goldcast, whatever it was, um, 
Aunt Viv was telling Will Smith how his decision to cut her out of the show ruined her life. And Will Smith acknowledged that he was vibrating on a very low frequency and what he really wanted from her was her approval. And when he didn't get it, he kicked her off of his show. It ruined her financially. It ruined her tumultuous marriage, so forth and so on. So I really want to go and find the entire um, conversation and watch it from beginning to end. What I liked most about that sit-down conversation between Aunt Viv and Will Smith is that Will Smith had reached a place to where he can express himself on a spiritual level. He can name that thing. He can say why he did what he did. And when he apologizes, you know, I noticed that he don't just say, I'm sorry, my bad. He doesn't just do that. He says, I'm sorry, I want to extend an apology to you and apologize to you for ruining your life. I apologize to you for taking away the only income that you had. What I did was not right. And please forgive me. I loved that. And I, like it was admirable for me. And I said, "Wow. That's 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 what's up." Like it gave me chills. You know what I mean? So I advise you to go and find it and go watch it and see for yourself if you hadn't seen it already. This, damn it, you know, I hear the people, I guess he's blowing away the leaves. So let me move to a little more quieter place. So, you know, I, I just looked at that and I said, I want to ascend to that type of a level. So this morning I decided to like do my laundry and sometimes while I'm doing my laundry I listen to podcasts. Even though I have a podcast I still listen to podcasts. And I listened to um, the comedian Monique talk about her relationship with her husband. And Again, I just got chills. I loved the way that she expressed herself. I loved the way that um, she talked about her husband. I loved the way that she acknowledged the mistakes that she made and what she did to fix it. I think that Monique should really, like do her own podcast or her own show and just talk about her own personal experience being a married woman from like the beginning up until where she's at right now. I think a lot of us women would learn what being a queen really looks like and how to honor a king and what a, a king truly looks like. Oh, 
her 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 story and I got chills even now. Her story was just it was just beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. If um you're interested, I want you to go to Tamar Braxton's podcast and it's titled Under Construction. Under Construction. And the title of this podcast where she and Monique are having a sit-down conversation. Hold on, let me get it, let me get it, because I want to get it right from a tribe, honey. You guys, you guys are my cousins. Hold on. It is titled, A Love Worth Fighting For. A Love Worth Fighting For. One of the things that I took from that entire podcast was how her husband like he he raised her and what i mean by he raised her is that he he poured into her like spiritually mentally and emotionally like he was her backbone he was her support system everything that she didn't get from her mother and her father, she got it from this one man. And it was really all about what her soul needed specifically for her. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It reminded me of the man that I'm dating right now. One day I had said to him, you know, let's just be friends. And he wasn't trying to hear it at all. He like fought to keep us together. And then he said to me, and this is what caused me to say, okay, I have a good guy here. He said to me, you know, when I met you, I thought to myself, I finally found the right one for me to marry. And I'm very happy with you. That right there was what caused me to stay, right? So this morning I was just feeling really inspired, really uplifted. And I just, I feel like even my therapist, I'm like thinking, I don't even want my therapist anymore. I want a different type of therapist. I want a therapist that's going to pour into me, like that's going to assist me with ascension. So I'm still going to keep my therapist a little while longer, but I'm definitely going to get myself another therapist. So the thing that I'm currently thinking about working on internally at this moment is, all right, so the month of December um, and going into January, you're going to see that life will be teaching you about love and what love looks like. And you'll be able to put sort of kind of like a face to love um, you'll be able to really feel that emotion and you'll understand that love is unconditional and it's going to be specifically tailored to what your soul 
needs. Not what I say it is, not what you think it is. Love is not abuse. Love is not rejection. Love is not abandonment. Love is not um, psychological damage. Love is not any of those things. It's pure and it's unconditional. And everything else, you're going to learn. Because it's the life lesson is specifically tailored to you and what your soul needs and what you did not get in your childhood. You're going to start to see that. So, excuse me. I know that um, in this season, um, I'm learning how multifaceted love is. So, what I'm thinking about working on internally now is how not to allow the immaturity of adults to get up under my skin because their immaturity has nothing to do with me. I didn't cause it. I'm not the cause of it. Um, And I can only help those who are ready, willing, and able to be helped. The best thing that I can do when a person is stuck and they're comfortable in dysfunction is to leave them right there in their filth. It's filthy. It's a filthy place. It's a cloudy place. A low vibrating frequency is a filthy and cloudy place to be. And if a person is comfortable in that type of dysfunction, and they want to stay in it, there is nothing that I can do about it. I simply have to move on. So I have to ask myself, what is it about their immaturity that bothers me? Why does it bother me? And that's what I am seeking the answer to at this moment, because I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. So, here's another topic that um, I've also been pondering. And I think this one um, is really, really important. Um, So, I'm over 40 years old. And my son is 27 years old. And when he became a teenager, he became an unruly teenager. And I couldn't handle it. So I called his father and I said, listen, I've done it, you know, as a single parent in poverty, like for the last 16 years, I've endured a lot. I went through a lot. And now the child is, you know, he's, he's um, like ex- basically exploding on me. And I don't know what his problem is. Um, I don't even know if he can express to me what his problem is. But I do know that I'm not the enemy and I'm not going to feel uncomfortable in the place where I'm the one paying the bills. So you come and get him. You finish raising him. Make sure he graduate high school. Make sure he graduate college. Make sure he don't have any children outside of wedlock. Make sure he doesn't get arrested and make sure he doesn't join a gang. That is all I ask of you. And... 
he listened to me and he said, you know something, it's not even your fault, it's me. He's looking for me and he's just taking it out on you, but it's not your fault, don't internalize it. And he came to my house and he took his son out of my house and that was that. And so my son has resented me for the last 11 years for the decision that I had made. He never stopped to take into consideration the sacrifices that I've made. He never asked me what was it that I went through to be a single teenage mother in poverty. He never did any of those things. All he thought about was himself and what he could no longer get. All he cared about was money that I did not have, and my, I, what I like to say is he thought I had hidden riches in secret places, and he wanted it, and I really didn't. I had food stamps. I knew how to budget the little bit of money that I did have. I knew how to buy things that were needed when it was on sale. I knew when to shop and when to not shop, you know? I stood on food pantry lines because the food stamps wasn't enough money to put food on a table. And, you know, I stood on the food pantry lines to food him, to feed him. And, you know, I remember going to a bunch of different food pantries in one day, you know, just to get things to make a meal. It was times where I was stealing food from out of the supermarket. I worked out of the and in a hospital doing dietary and in the kitchen they had all sorts of things and the number one thing that I would steal from out of the um kitchen was cold cuts and bread because I knew that if we didn't have any food at least he could eat a sandwich at least he could eat that at least I could take the cheese and make, you know, an omelet and throw, you know, some ham in it with some cheese and, and, you know, make an omelet and have some toast. We got butter and we got orange juice and, you know, this is what I did, the sacrifices that I made. I had to drop out of high school in the ninth grade because I was pregnant with him. I didn't have a support system to finish out high school. I had to get a job, and I I remember making $6.15 an hour because there was things that he needed diapers, he needed clothes, he needed a stroller, he needed this, he needed that. And I couldn't go to school and work at the same time. I didn't have the support system. So I'm a ninth grade high school dropout. I didn't even graduate the ninth grade. I made it to the ninth grade but I never graduated. There were people who were using him to manipulate me, control me, and to keep tabs on me. I couldn't go to the left. I couldn't go to the right. I couldn't advance myself. I couldn't do shit. It was always stay home with the child. That's your child. You had him. You take care of him. I'm not doing it. Oh, you do this, I'm going to call CPS. Oh, if you do that, I'm going to to um, take you to court and take custody of your kid from you. These are the things that I had to deal with. 
And it wasn't that, you know, I was a crackhead or a truck dealer or out in a club. I wasn't doing any of those things. I was looking for a job. I was looking to further my education so that I could make more money to keep the roof over our head, to keep the food on the table, to put clothes on his back, to pay the Con Edison bill. And I was stopped from doing that by way of my son. So I had to stop my life. I had to quit jobs because soon as I got to a place where I was starting to get my head above water, then all of a sudden it was a problem with the babysitter. Why? Because I was becoming financially stable. And people wanted to, family wanted to keep me down. They did not want me to exceed where they were. They never wanted me to get past them. So I didn't have a babysitter. And what did I have to do? Quit my job for not having a babysitter. And the father didn't help me. His family was hiding him um, so that I don't get child support. They wouldn't tell me where he was so that I could petition him into court for child support. I just had to suffer. I had to suffer in the child. I had to keep him. I had to shield him from suffering. He never knew that I was poor. He never knew. He thought I had hidden riches in secret places. But he didn't know the sacrifices that I made to make ends meet. He didn't know the things that I was doing to give him the little bit that he had. He didn't know. I shielded him from knowing that your family is shitty. I shielded him from knowing your father really don't want to be a father to you. I shielded him from that. And for him to turn on me the way that he did, is it's like, I'm not going to say it's unforgivable, but it's unfathomable. I'm one of those parents that did right by the kid, but the kid turned on a parent. But if I would have treated him like a piece of shit, like how I see other parents do their kids, you know, he would have stuck to me like white on rice. I look at the Menendez brothers and how the parents were wealthy. And they said to the two sons, listen, you guys are older now. We're going to pay for your apartment for a year. Figure out what you want to do with your life. Get a job. You know, after the year, you're going to have to financially support yourself. And what did they do? kill their parents for the life insurance money. Nowhere in that documentary do you see that those parents, you know, tied their kids up, put them in a closet, sold them on a sex trade. They never did any of those things. The kids just did not want to get out of their parents' pockets. So they killed them for the money. They didn't love their parents. They loved the money. I remember seeing a story about parents who they had a a son and 
they began to save money from when the child was born to pay for his college tuition. He graduated high school, he chose a college, and he went and lived on campus. 100% free. He never had to take out a loan. The husband and the wife paid for everything. Food, money in his pocket, clothes, tuition, books, transportation, everything. The parents went out during the holiday season, I believe it was Thanksgiving, to visit their son. And what did that boy do? Kill his parents for the money. Killed them. They didn't do wrong by that by their son. But he killed them. And so this is what I'm saying. You do right by your kids and they shit on you. You treat them like a piece of shit and you get respect and honor. The world is a backwards place. And so this is what I went through with my son. So... I have made a lot of sacrifices, like a lot, and my life has stopped because of because I was I was a parent, and I couldn't go any further with my education or with financially. I had to wait until he turned literally fourteen years old, and the reason why I had to wait that long was because in the state of New York at that time. The law said that you can leave your child unattended legally when the child turns 14 years old. And when I found out that piece of information, I let family know that I knew that law. So now you can't threaten me with CPS, Child Protective Services, and you can't threaten to take custody of this child that I made all these fucking sacrifices for. Like I could have went to jail for doing the things that I've done just to put food on the table for him. For him. Now y'all can't threaten me. And let me tell you something, cousins. Family was mad that I got that information. They was going to ride that damn horse until they couldn't ride it anymore to stop me. That's all they wanted to do. They knew that I would make it far in life, and they didn't want that. They did not want that. And so they used my child to stop me. So when I got that piece of information, everybody backed down. Everybody kept quiet. There was things that they did not want me to realize. And the way that they knew that they could keep me from realizing it was by keeping quiet. I went and got my GED. I was able to work full time during the day. And I went to school at night and I got my GED. I met a girl, and she said to me, you're, you're a very nurturing person. Why don't you get into personal care aid, PCA? It's very easy. Um, the work schedule is flexible. You could get something close to home and try it. You'll get paid more money per hour than on your job that you're currently working. Try it and see. And so I took a class that was for two weeks. And I tried it, and I said, this is pretty smooth right here. So I discovered home health aid. I went back, and I took the two-week course for the home health aid. 
And I said, this is smooth right here. Now I'm making a little bit more money. Let me go and do the CNA, Certified Nurse Assistant. This is smooth right here. And then I went, and I think the course was six months. And I, the first time I took that New York State exam, I passed it. And let me tell you something, Tribe. Not one person in my family said congratulations. Because I was doing a thing that they was trying to stop me from doing. Ascending. Ascending. They tried to bury me. Didn't know in that I was a seed. Right? So then I thought, before I go any further, let me try my hand and at entrepreneurship and then life happened and I had to do a complete life overhaul and I had to I ended up moving to get rid of people and I changed my phone number to get rid of people and only certain people knew where I lived and they had my phone number certain people I stayed like on the low for a couple of months until I had just sorted everything out like, I had needed to do, like, a complete life overhaul with family, with friends, internally, mentally, emotionally. Like, I had to come out of being ratchet. I had to come out of being dysfunctional. I had to come out of being that bitter, broken woman. Girl, rather. Because I wasn't a woman, I was a girl. I had to come out of it. And I needed to see what was wrong, why was it wrong, how to change it, what to implement. And one of the things that I did when changing mentally, emotionally, and spiritually was I changed my outward appearance, how I dress. And that's actually something that I'm embarking on now as we speak in December 2020. I'm looking into it because what does that look like? How can I change my style to a more mature look without looking old and without losing my taste in fashion? Then there's things that I see different, you know, styles that I see, and I say, okay, I would dress like that. I like that. That's cool. But where am I wearing that to? Like, if I was a promoter, a realtor, you know, something of that sort where I'm doing um, meetings and events, this type of thing, opera shows, this type of thing, I would wear it. But that's not my lifestyle. So I have to kind of find the balance of it all. So anyhow, my hiatus took longer than what I had. I didn't even anticipate. Like I didn't put a timeline on it. Like I didn't say to myself, I'm going to go into a hiatus for six months. Only thing I can tell you was when I did my complete life overhaul, it was like peeling an onion. It was one layer after another, after another, after another. 
And it ended up turning into three years. And even till today, I'm still peeling back layers to an onion. I don't think that this will ever stop. I don't think the ascension will ever stop. So it ended up being three years. And after the three years, I went and registered in college. And um, initially, I went to do my registered nurse. And my college experience was something else because I went to do the LPN to RN and and the school pushed me in the direction that they wanted me to go in and I was mad at that. So now I have like a $45,000 student loan to pay back with two degrees that I cannot use. I've never gotten a job with either of the college degrees that I have. 90% of the things that I learned I don't even remember. There's two things that I remember from my whole college experiences. One, I learned about entrepreneurship. And two, I published a book. That's the only thing I can tell you. And I remember micro and macroeconomics and project management. Everything else is, is a blur. I don't even know. I can't even recite it to you. So with my first degree, that was straight uh, ax. It wasn't even an accident. The college just pushed me in the direction that they wanted me to go into. And um, in hindsight, I wish I would have taken on more responsibility of it by looking, by researching more. I should have researched more. And I should have asked more questions. I should have thought about what type of questions to ask and then ask them. Talk to some people. That's what I should have done, taken more responsibility for my education. So my first degree that the college pushed me into, um, initially they told me I needed the credits because I didn't have college credits. And actually the job market for that was decreasing um, like 26%. That was a total waste. Decrease. 26%. I recently looked into it a couple of months ago, actually, and it's still on a decline for that position. So there's like no reason to even have that degree. The only thing I can say positive that comes out of it is now that I'm taking prerequisite courses for the nursing degree program is the credits that I earned during my first degree can be applied to the nursing degree program and that shaves off some time. So instead of me going back to do an associate's degree for the nursing degree program, I can skip that whole thing and go to a bachelor's degree. That's the, so it wasn't a, a complete waste, but it was a waste. Then I said, fuck it, I'm going to, I got mad. And I was like, I done spent all this time, you know, expecting to get into the nursing degree program. And you guys gave me something else. It was a complete way. I was furious. I was so livid. That lady knew I was going to punch her in her face. <laughs> she, knew, she knew I was so mad. 
Oh, I was mad. So I was like, fuck it. And I shot my own self in the foot. So I went and did um, the bachelor's degree in business management and administration. And I can't get a job in that. I discovered maybe two years after I graduated with that degree that um, the way that white America is set up, they only hire white men for that particular field. And that's discrimination. But no one comes out of their mouth and say, hey, yeah, this is my business and I'm, I'm hiring, but I only hire white men. Like nobody comes out of their mouth and says it. Someone else had told me about it because she had the degree and she discovered it. And when I researched it more after she said that, I found that it was true. So... The education didn't pay off, but at the same time it did because it taught me about entrepreneurship. That's the degree where I got entrepreneurial courses at. And I published a book and, you know, I got into entrepreneurship and I saw that entrepreneurship is not something that I can do full time. It's not. I don't think that full time entrepreneurship is meant for me in specific. I can do it part time and make, you know, money from off of it. Um, as of today in 2020, it's not enough money to pay mortgage, but it is enough money to put food on the table, keep the lights on, so forth and so on. It's enough money to do that. So I'm still going to keep at it and I'm going to speak it into existence that, you know, I'll make enough money from my entrepreneurial and divorce that, um, I can always tell my supervisor you know, go take a long walk off a short bridge because, you know, it's not going to affect anything if I don't have this job. That's the place where I want to get to financially in my e-commerce store. So, so now I'm in for the nursing degree program and I don't know which direction I'm going to go in, but there's something that I've been noticing lately is that I could plan for something to go a certain way and God will take me in a completely different direction. What's meant for me is for me, and even God won't let me detour from the plans that He has for me. So I don't know if I'm you know, going to sit in the office or if I'm going to be out in the field. I don't, I don't know, but what I do know is I finally have the opportunity to dress the way I really want to dress. So, here's what I wanted to, to say, even though I got off into a bit of a tangent about my son. My life was halted. I made a lot of sacrifices. I even sacrificed myself to be a good parent. And I feel like all of the sacrifices that I made was in vain because now in his mind, I'm his enemy when I'm really not his enemy. And the man that I am with, he's such a king um, that I'm willing to give him a child. He talked to me about us having a baby. And 
I kept saying to him, sure, you know, I'll think about it and take it into consideration after I get done with my college degree. And he said, well, you're still going to get that done. It's still going to get done. You're not going to be in it by yourself. And I just wasn't trusting it because I remember all of the pain and the struggle that I went through with this one child. And I know that at the end of the day, a man can always pick up and walk away and that child is left with the mother. And I'd rather be free of that responsibility than to have a responsibility on my plate that I was afraid to have from the very beginning. But here's the thing that I've come to recognize. It's a different day. I'm dealing with a different man. And circumstances are different. The people that that suppressed me have moved on. They're no longer there. And I believe that even the child will be different. No two children are the same. And what I experienced with my son, I'm pretty sure I won't experience with the next child. With this man and I, if we were to get married, we would be up under the same roof. And the responsibility of that child will be shared. I won't do it all by myself. All I've ever known all my life was to do it myself, to figure it out on my own. If I don't do it, it won't get done. That's, I've only known to depend on myself and God but mostly myself. Like tangibly, I've learned to depend on myself. And so I have to put it in my mind that in a relationship, I'm not doing everything by myself anymore. I have to move over, kind of speak. I have to get out of my own way and allow this man to be a man I have to allow this king to be a king in my life. I have to get out of my own way. And so now I can say, like back then, being a teenage mother, I was only able to do the best I could with what I had and what I knew in all my brokenness, in all my poverty at that moment. Today, I know a hell of a lot more. I can do better because I know better. And I won't be by myself because the father will be there under the same roof to share in the responsibility. So I'm more willing to, at my age, to give birth to another child. But I'm really thinking in the back of my mind not to just have one, but to have two. A couple of days ago, I was in 
the post office and I seen this woman. She looked like she was 50 years old and she was pregnant. I remember being on the elevator and there was this woman. She was in her 50s and she she looked like she could go into labor any moment now. But she was pregnant. And I hear women say that they're okay with having, you know, babies at their age. Meghan Markle, when she had her child, I don't, I don't remember how old she was, but I don't think she was 40 when she had her child. But the blogs were calling her pregnancy a geriatric pregnancy. I said, how the hell are you calling it a geriatric pregnancy? I don't think she was 40. But I think that is just God's way of showing me that regardless of my age, he can still bless me to be pregnant and to give birth to a healthy baby. You look at Kenya Moore, um, she's in her 40s, if I'm, if I'm right, um, late 40s, early 50s, and she just gave birth, well, not just gave birth, but she had her first child, you know, so... I'm I'm not going to speak badly about myself being pregnant in my 40s. Um, I'm not going to shame myself about it, and I'm not going to shame other women. So, all in all, this is what I just wanted to share with you guys. Um... Just to reiterate this entire podcast, this month of December and going into January, you're going to learn what love looks like for you in specific, what it is that your soul needs. You're going to learn that. If you've gone through something with your child or your children, just know that no two children are the same. Um, I'm having this memory where I was on social media and this man, um, he was talking about how he was a good father to his daughter and his daughter was unruly towards him. And... She told him not to speak to him anymore. I think he wasn't going to pay for her car or something like that. And she got mad and told him, don't speak to him. And he said to her, you can only get one father, but I can make another one of you. (laughs) And I said, oh, that was a good comeback right there because it's true. (laughs) He told the truth. She tried to hurt him, but he gave her. A dose of her own medicine. He, like he shut her all the way down. Funniest thing. But the point is. Um, no two children. Are the same. Um, whatever your experience. Was. Just remember. It is just that. Was. Today is a new day. You're a different person. You know more. And you can do better. Because you know more. All right, we're going to ascend. 2021 is coming, and we're going to ascend. 
season three is going to be about ascension. Um, it's still more healing, more positivity, more growth. Um, just being a better you today than you were yesterday. And I think that I'm going to um, talk more about frequencies and the law of cause and effect, um, the universal laws. I think that's what I um, want to do. All right, cousins. So as usual, I hope you learned much and that you gleaned much. And if nobody told you, I'm telling you, I love you. God bless you and shalom.